This episode of the Music Stuff Show is brought to you by Dupe Loops, your weekly curated drum loop library. If you're writing music, building tracks, or programming beats, dupeloops.com is the place to start. They deliver 10 new drum loops directly to your inbox every Monday, so you can spend less time searching for the right sounds and more time making music. Each loop is always available in stereo and multi-track formats, always fresh, and they are never recycled. And for a limited time, they are offering a 7-day free trial period with every plan. So visit dupeloops.com, that's D-U-P-E-L-O-O-P-S dot com, and start your free trial today to receive 10 new multi-track drum loops per week, every week. On this episode of the Music Stuff Show, we take a look at what it means to brand yourself. We discuss how you can create a personal brand, the relationship your brand has to the product it represents, and we present some helpful ways to put these lessons into effect. Please enjoy this episode of the Music Stuff Show, Branding Yourself. Welcome to the Music Stuff Show, where we break down the business of music to help you build a career doing what you love. My name's Tom, and Vance is here too, as always. What's up, man? Hello! <laughs> yes! <laughs> you brought it back. I was really hoping that you would. <laughs> Gotta be honest. Oh. We were talking about this at dinner the other night. It's true. And we missed it, guys. So it's back. I'll tell you the thing that really made me miss it the most was that I went into uh, to the hat shop where your brother-in-law works, mm-hmm. and he was like... You were like, hey, this is my, the guy who co-hosts the show. And he goes, oh, hello. I was like, oh, man, it's already a thing. Yeah, I love it. He made me nostalgic for it. Let me miss it. Well, it's back today. I love it. It's like Mary Poppins. What about you? What about facts? Are facts back? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Tom. (laughs) Do you know what I learned this morning? I don't. Horses can't vomit. Really? It's not a deep fact. It's it's gross, but not gross. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... Because I guess it just all turns into poo. It's the worst problem. Has to. Yeah. Not mad at that. So what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about branding yourself. Branding? Branding. So, what does that mean? What does it's that such mean? such a buzzword. It is. Yeah. It's trendy. Yeah, it is. Branding. <laughs> uh, not to be confused with Brandon, who's barking in the background right now. Yep. Sorry, guys. Yep. My dog heard somebody outside and he's freaking out. It happens. But we're safe. So, he obviously, is he's a good boy. Adorable. And you should follow him on the Instagrams. At Brandon Pugglesworth. <laughs> <laughs> The real OG. The real OG. Hashtag the real OG. What uh, is branding, Tom? So what does branding, that even mean? God, I'm going to attempt to answer this. Um, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's a branding expert who's going to tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Branding is something far more than this. But uh, <laughs> branding is the image you put forth to your customer and your audience and I think the act of branding is creating that image and creating an experience that both supports the image and an image that supports the experience. Uh, And making sure that that experience and that image are consistent no matter where it is that you're presenting yourself or your product or your business. That's fair. That's Mm -hmm. all right. Yeah, I, uh, 
to put it on a what I hope is an elementary level, to me what I associate branding with is if I don't tell you what you're looking at, do you know who did it? That's a great way of putting it. So, for example, I would imagine that if you saw a picture of the inside of a Target, I wouldn't have to tell you that it's a Target. You could probably guess based on, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure there's a specific name for it, but Target Red, whatever their red is. Right. The general aesthetic of their store. Yep. Uh it's consistent as you go into different stores. It doesn't matter if you're in different cities, states, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a general theme. Yep. Um, and to me, the best brands, I don't have to tell you what it is. The same way that I would argue sonically, uh, even if a band does a slightly different sounding song than you're used to, mm-hmm. typically the singer, uh, or at least iconic artists, the singer tends to be a identifier to where whatever your favorite artist person is, they could put a new song on the radio or on the internet or hear it at your friend's house. And no one has to tell you that that's who that artist is. So for example, for me, if I go to your house and a Blink-182 song comes out next week, you're not going to have to tell me that that's a Blink-182 song. Uh-huh. And obviously, like most of this episode, we're probably going to be talking about visual branding. But I I think the bigger concept of everything that you're putting out as an artist, band, DJ, you know, do I look at your stuff? Do I look at your content? Do I hear your music? Do I uh, see photos? Do I see a video? Mm -hmm. And do I see that and immediately be like, Oh, I haven't seen the climax or heard the voice, but I bet this is about to be this person based on how it sounds. Yeah. Or looks or feels or yeah. all of the above. I'm glad I'm glad you started with the audio portion of that because the visual portion of branding is far and away the easier part to discuss. Mm-hmm. It's the part that happens the most. But I think that uh yeah, I think that branding totally exists in the audio format uh, if you're an artist or a band. And like you said, to reiterate it, I think the the singer's voice, if your music has vocals in it, or is going to be the number one identifier for your brand. Mm-hmm. I think also um, oftentimes your, I mean, there are plenty of things that are, uh, that are brand identifiers for a band or an artist uh, that are not vocals, uh, you know, Pete Townsend's guitar playing or, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> or like Lars Ulrich's drumming for Metallica. Mm-hmm. Those things stand out uh, as being specific to those, those bands. Yeah. I think there, there's always going to be a couple identifiers mm-hmm. and to be fair, like that typically can't be everyone. Right. You know? Yeah. You can't have, like every part can't ma- be a lead. Maybe in the case of Led Zeppelin, and that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, it's it's very rare that that would happen. The smaller your team, the more you have that potential. Just mm-hmm. as an aside, you, the more people you put in your band, the more simple everybody's parts has to be. Yeah. Because you're fighting for space. That's so going you can on a quote actually, card. 
you can actually be far more complicated. If your goal is to be uh, a noodley band or just show off your musical prowess, I'm probably not going to listen to you, but I respect your hustle. Sure. But you've got a lot more latitude to get away with that in a two-piece or a Mm three-piece where there's only two or three instruments taking up sonic space. As soon as you start adding seven, eight people to your band, everybody has to play something. It can work together and sound great, but everybody's stuff immediately gets more simple Mm -hmm. if you want it to all work together. Yeah. I think uh, another place where audio branding can happen is with the sonic qualities of the mix and master Mm -hmm. of your project. Uh, I think that's why a lot of bands will opt to use the same mix engineer or same producer over and over again, Mm -hmm. especially in the beginning. uh, A lot of the times you'll find that uh, people will use the same producer and mix engineer for the follow-up record to whatever record they put out that did really well to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Linkin Park did that. Um, I think uh, Nickelback did that, their first record that blew up he's the same person for the next one um and to be fair for everybody that just stopped to talk trash about nickelback in your car they're easy to hate absolutely but they still sell out arenas so somebody's buying those tickets somebody's doing something right in that group uh but it, it it happens it happens a lot and i think that uh i think the reason it does is because you're crafting crafting a sound and it's like all right we've made our sound now we need to give a little bit more of the same sound so that we can kind of drive that home that brand home and from an audio perspective for our audience and and then after that you start mixing it up a little bit because you've already established what it is that you kind of do um but i think uh moving moving past the audio branding thing i think the the biggest place it happens is is in visual content for sure mm-hmm. Uh, you were you were talking about the target uh, about target and like target red and you know you've got the target logo and everything and um like apple you see the apple logo for sure you know exactly what it is you know exactly what you're getting and the I'm I, I'm I'm hesitant to put too much emphasis on precisely what the brand logo or appearance is from the get go simply because what's ultimately going to end up happening is your product or your experience is going to end up defining the visual branding image rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't like Apple's products are clean. They're easy. Most of the time. Uh, It's a, it's a very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like a minimalist experience. For sure. And their brand reflects that. Mm-hmm. It's just the simple Apple logo. That's it. There's no word. There's that's that's it. And they might have a tagline and an ad, you know, mm-hmm. think different or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the reason you look at that logo and think minimalism is because the experience of their product supports that. Mm-hmm. If they were chaos and you looked at the Apple logo, I'm sure you'd find a way to justify it. Like, oh, there's a bite taken out of it. It represents the chaos or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) You'd figure out a way to associate that. Like Coca-Cola's logo is nothing fancy. It's just a scripted written word. Mm -hmm. But you associate your experience with Coca-Cola with that logo and that brand. 
I'll even take the Coke one a step further. If you see a commercial in December that has a polar bear in it, before the logo comes up, I bet you know it's a Coke commercial. Yep. But, and kind of with that, I think this is a good segue. What's the point of branding? And because really it's worthless if you don't have the why. Right. The why is not because branding makes you successful. Branding is important because you are trying to build trust with your audience, Mm -hmm. which doesn't come from your logo. It comes from once your audience trusts you, you don't want them to work to realize that this is you. So if I trust your brand, if I Mm -hmm. like your band, you don't want to spend a lot of time anytime you put something out for me to have to realize this is you. Right. Because... Again, I, I talk about Blink-182 a lot. I know it's just, for me, that's one of those bands for me. I don't need to spend a lot of time to figure out that something is Blink-182. If I see something that's Blink-182, I am going to assume nine times out of ten that I'm going to like it, whatever it is. It will have the benefit of the doubt, and I'm not going to waste time to check it out, look mm-hmm. it up, read the article, listen to the song. As soon as I know it's there... Because I have the expectation of, I trust this brand. Mm-hmm. I know I expect to like what they do because I believe in their brand. Yeah. I'm not going to waste time to go find it. It's not a passive thing for me. Yep. And that, that to me, you know, and people might disagree, but I think that is the most important part of branding. It's less because, oh, the right font or the right colors and the psychology. Like there's people that have doctorates in that that can say way more intelligent things than I can about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not discrediting those. But I think the most important part is what is the fastest way for someone to know that, oh, I know I trust this brand. I know I trust this artist. I expect to like this. Yeah. So let me make sure I don't forget to check this out. Let me make sure I pull this up on my Spotify. Let me make sure I go look up the music video on YouTube. In a, I mean, in a word, what it really boils down to is trust. Yeah. You've, you don't, if you have branded yourself correctly, when you create trust in your audience, you don't have to reestablish it again every time you give them something new. Mm-hmm. If you've branded it correctly, they will automatically know that they can trust it mm-hmm. without having to do their due diligence again. It's like, if I'm on Netflix and Stranger Things season two came out and I watched season one, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And season two was awesome. Uh, When season two came out, I didn't go, I'm going to try this show and see if I like it. Mm. I automatically knew that there was a high likelihood that I was going to enjoy it. So I didn't have any problem committing the hour to the episode. For sure. With a show I've never watched before, I don't know if I'm going to dig it. So my wife and I do this thing where we have the 20 minute rule. If a show doesn't grab us in 20 minutes, we're done. We're out. We'll move on to something else. There's way too much content available in the world to waste your time on a show that sucks. I like that. Same with a book. Same with a record. Like, mm-hmm. if it's not your thing, man, move on. It's not, I like that not a, lot. a problem. So we have the 20-minute rule. We don't do that with Stranger Things 2. Mm-hmm. We, we do it with a new show. And we're, we're prepared to not like it. We hope that we do. But we haven't that brand, that show hasn't established trust with us yet. Oh man, I can't remember who said this. It was some radio DJ, uh, but it was talking about how much harder it is for a new artist because you don't have that trust. They Mm -hmm. weren't framing it as branding. 
but an artist you've never heard of can put out a song and you can listen to that and be like, ah, oh, it's just not for me and never listen to it again. Yeah. But if Drake puts out a song and you don't like it, you're like, I must have missed something. I need to listen to it. Make right. sure I check it out like seven more times. Yep. To make sure that I just understand what was mm-hmm. happening because it was probably my fault that I didn't yeah. get it. He he and his team have branded him so effectively that you actually second guess your own opinion because you trust that, that they are brand. Right. You trust that that brand is correct over your opinion of what he is putting out. That is branding. 100%. Yeah. And that's incredible branding. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what you want to strive for right there. <laughs> like, good Lord, man, that's awesome. Um, so how, how would one go about branding themselves? What's, we know what it is. What, what, how do you do it? One option is to hire people. Yeah. But we're a DIY show. Yes, we are. Um, honestly, I, I feel like, I don't remember what episode I'll figure it out and put it in the show notes. I feel like we talked about this with, uh, the creation of music of when you start a new band, Mm -hmm. you don't have yourself fully developed when you write one song or five songs or really Mm -hmm. even 10 songs, you know, you and your three, four or five homies, however many you got, you write a ton of songs and the more songs you write, the more you really find who you are as a group what your sound is collectively. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I feel like branding's the same way where I would look at your influences and write it down on a piece of paper. And whether that's sonically, what's your influences, what uh, lifestyle wise is your influences and kind of put all of those things in front of you on a board and find a center point mm-hmm. and start there. Mm-hmm. And continually keep making stuff and every time you make something new a new photo a new graphic a new whatever constantly keep getting a little bit closer to you so that might be you know you are into like justin timberlake beyonce and taylor swift and those might be the artists but then you might be like visually i'm really into stranger things but i'm also really heavily invested in the skateboard community Mm -hmm. and on it like get on Pinterest and quite literally pull out their stuff and what there's going to be some sort of underlying thread that you can connect the dots between the things that aren't just one other artist, but like all of the things that you're influenced by, you know, is it the colors of stranger things? Is it the eighties aesthetic? Is that the part? Like what's your favorite element of that? And take that and Oh, is it like, what aspect of the skateboarding world is it, you know, the particular art style? Is it just the uh, community aesthetic and the way people interact with each other? Mm-hmm. What is it about these artists? Is it something that they do visually? Is it, and really analyze what do you like about each one and put that on a piece of paper and paint your own picture out of that. And I would start there. Mm-hmm. And then every time you do something, And you're like, oh, maybe it should be a little bit more X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And do it a thousand times because you're not just putting out one piece of content. Yeah. You're going to put out thousands of content because you're in this for the long haul and you're treating this like it's your job. I think think an important rule of thumb, at least in my experience that I've tried to stick to is um, keep it simple Mm -hmm. when it comes to branding. You don't, the point, the point uh, is to, 
is to have trust. But second to that is a very close second is to remove thinking mm-hmm. from your audience. Your your audience, your customer shouldn't, or your listener, I guess in this case, shouldn't have to think too hard. Mm-hmm. They should just see it and know. Yep. And if it has a lot more moving pieces, it's going to just simply take longer to digest before you reach the point where you go, oh, I know this. For sure. If it's a blue dot on a white background, that's easier to digest than a very intricate floral pattern that appears. It's the same floral pattern that appears every time, mm-hmm. but you it's just more moving pieces. And so you, it takes longer to, to comprehend, oh, I recognize that complex floral pattern mm-hmm. rather than I recognize that blue dot on a white background. Yep. Uh, so I think you want to aim towards simplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the first place to start probably is coming up with some sort of logo. Mm-hmm. I think the shape, it's really like comes down to like shape and color, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of logo, probably going to be like the name of your band or the name of your, your, uh, your artist's name or something like that. But then if you want to have a visual element that is non, uh, that is not a word attached to that. Like Blink-182 has got the little like smiley tooth guy with yep. the hair coming out or whatever. Or whatever. It's like the, the little circle smile with the arrows. Yeah, that's it. And um, Or like Linkin Park's got the LP. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that. And then you can stylize that differently over time depending on release. But it ultimately is the same thing uh, for each successive product you put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would start there and the, and then the best way to do it is to like have one aesthetic for it because you're starting out and dude, put that thing everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like pick a color, pick a thing and put it everywhere. Put it at the end of your videos, put it uh, in your website header, put it in the signature of your email, put it on your YouTube header, the profile picture, everything like even if it's like a watermark on your band image if like your profile pic is like an image of you or an image of your band like have that that blue dot watermarked on the bottom right corner of every Mm -hmm. image and like have that blue dot watermarked in the bottom right corner of every header if that's not your header by itself or just like have a blue dot as your header like Mm -hmm. don't overthink it it really doesn't (laughs) hate to say this it really doesn't matter what it is so long as it's always the same thing completely agree also, too, on top of that, I think um, unless your brand is mysterious mm-hmm. and I think more people than not, your brand shouldn't be mysterious. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a whole other argument for another thing. I th- like your face is also your brand. Totally. Like there is not a Taylor Swift thing that comes out on this planet that her face is not next to, mm-hmm. even though. Like I can see her little handwriting logo yep, and r- recognize that her face is always every, like, you, no one has to wonder mm-hmm. my six year old niece from a mile away knows that it is or is not Taylor Swift. Yep. And so if you're an artist, a band, and unless you are just hyper intentionally for some specific reason, attempting to be mysterious for some particular aesthetic, you should definitely constantly have your face mm-hmm. or your band's faces involved in what's going on yeah. because you want people to see you and be like, Oh, is that that dude or chick from XYZ band? Right. 
you don't want them to wonder. Like think, you want the attention. I think Paramore is a great example of that. For sure. Her her fire engine red hair. Mm-hmm. Just like, especially when they first hit. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody knew who Haley was. For sure. Because of that red hair, man. Yep. Like even if you didn't know anything else about the band, like you knew the red hair. Yep. Um, and with Taylor, like no matter what she does, uh, no matter what she wears or how she styles her hair or whatever, like you know that little script logo with her name and you know her face. Yep. And that's it. And like everything else is seasonal for her for Mm -hmm. what the release looks like, what the material looks like. Yep. Uh, But those two things have been consistent and timeless and they will, they'll stay forever. Like, I don't, I, I mean, I'm really glad you brought that point up because I couldn't tell you what Drake's logo is, but I can tell you what his face looks like. It's an owl. Is it an owl? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, to their brand OVO is right. this little owl, but but a, that's a great example because I don't like I wouldn't call myself a diehard Drake fan. Mm-hmm. Certainly, some stuff I like, but I'm not like racing out to get first listen or pre saving the album on Spotify or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I but I know who he is yep. and I know his face when I see it. It's because they stick it on everything that has to do with him. Mm-hmm. So same thing, and I think uh, if you're if you're a band, um. It's going to be everybody, yes, but at the end of the day, they're really going to be like one or two, one or two key people. It's usually going to be the singer more often than not. Just about 99% of the time without fail, it's going to be the singer and potentially like maybe your drummer, maybe your guitar player. Blink-182 is an is a, uh, example of the minority in that they're a three-piece. Now, Tom is gone now, but when it was Tom, Mark, and Travis, like everybody was a face for the band. But, but that space only, only existed because there's three. Right. And it's the same reason, which is another great example, like back to the playing side, like Travis Barker is a drummer that mm-hmm. I can, even if it's not a Blink-182 track, it can be a remix. It could be a collaboration yeah. with a different artist. Nine times out of 10, I can listen to a song and be like, oh, I bet Travis is on this. Right. And the entire <clears throat> band was built on all the other parts being very simple and mm-hmm. memorable. But the fact that all of the guitar and bass parts are super simple, catchy melodies is what gave the space for Travis to play every note on the planet. Right. Yeah, it never would have worked if it was if Tom was like noodling on guitar the whole time. There just wouldn't be the space for it. Have you seen the um that Ernie Ball uh Pursuit of Tone documentary on YouTube? I have. Dude, so good. Yep. I love listening to I mean, we're just going to go on a little Blink-182 fanboy tangent for a second. Mm-hmm. I loved hearing him talk about the genesis of their sound. He was like, I knew I wanted it to be simple, and I knew I wanted it to be nursery rhymes, mm-hmm. but just like in song format. Yep. And then they were talking about like Travis is in the band now, and he's like, Travis is like, I feel like I'm just playing the same thing over and over again. And Tom's like, well, I'm not a drummer. You're a kick-ass drummer. Why don't Why don't you come up with stuff like... Do whatever you want, man. I don't know what you should do. Yeah. Travis is like, so I can just do this instead of this. He's like, yeah, I don't care. Yep. And then it was like they they figured it out. Yep. Like clicked. Hundred percent, dude. I love. If you haven't watched that documentary, we'll put it in the show notes. It's I don't I don't know if the documentary is is it on Ernie Ball's page on there. Or is I think it like it's a, on Ernie Ball. Is it a rip version of? Something? No, I think they actually they for sure posted clips. I thought the whole thing was on there. Okay. Uh-oh. I didn't know if what I watched was uh an unofficial copy or not but anyway it's it's really good we'll if you post whatever like legal version we find <laughs> yeah exactly uh but yeah it's uh 
So it, the branding is going to fall down to one or two faces in your group if there's more than more than one of you. And this is probably a, a different episode's topic. But uh, if you're not the face of your brand in your band, if you're a four piece and it's like the singer and the lead guitar player and you're the bass player, man, don't waste your time getting butt hurt about that. That's like being mad that you're not the Apple logo. It doesn't like mm-hmm. you're still winning. Like you're on the team. Yep. And having self awareness to know what your role is on the team is an extremely important talent to have in this business where egos run rampant. Like don't have an ego. Be be pumped about your role and fill other spots on that team that need to be filled that aren't the like, Oh, my face is on a billboard. And also be happy that like, if your band breaks, you can still go to the grocery store and not know. Nobody knows who you are. I'm probably going to mess this up because I don't really sports ball, but I can understand the argument of people that, Oh, I want to play more. Yeah. But do you really want to be in minor leagues just so you can be more popular in that? Right. Or do you want a Super Bowl ring? Even if you're second string, even right. if you only play, you know, a little bit of the final mm-hmm. quarter to give some people some rest when you're ahead. Yep. Would you really rather be back in minor leagues where no one's ever heard of you? You make maybe a tenth of the money. Right. To essentially have a hobby and still probably need a day job. Yep. Or do you want to be that second string quarterback that you're the relief? You don't get to play. The entire game, mm-hmm. but you're still there and you still got the ring. Dude, there is not a thing wrong with being Pippin and not Jordan. For sure. <laughs> Nothing. Pippin's got all the trophies too. Dude. And he's still bad as hell. Yep. <laughs> like. So I, I'm going to take a little tangent here just because I'm, this popped in my head and I'm curious of your opinion. Okay. Uh, back to the audio branding. Okay. Uh, I feel in the past, Traditionally, this was in-capped by records or CD albums mm-hmm. uh, where a band had the ability to try new things, but it essentially had to be sectioned by a particular record where, like you were kind of talking about, they have the first record and hopefully that first record does well. Mm-hmm. Typically, people do something pretty similar for that second record in hopes that, that it continues to do well. Yep. But then by the time they have two records that have done well, the third one's usually when they're like, okay, we have a little bit of freedom that people trust us enough to try something new, uh, you know, and start getting a little bit more experimental or trying new avenues of their sound. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe albums are irrelevant, but I do believe we are consistently progressing in a direction where they are less relevant. Agreed. And at least for this season right now, singles are king, Mm -hmm. uh, especially with the consistency of putting out product and the fact that putting out single songs more frequently uh, is more digestible by your audience than waiting a year to put out one record. Yep. So with all of that to be said and the freedoms of trying new things, what are your thoughts on that? Is it, do you have to stick to the one gun? When can you have the freedom to branch out with your brand if you want to try something new? If you want to change the elements of what, quote unquote, makes your sound your sound? 
Uh, so the question specifically is when is it okay to do that? When, when do you do that? Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have album one, album two, and now mm-hmm. you're putting out album three because you know, you're DIY, you're not on a label, you're doing this yourself, you're putting out a track yeah. every single month, right. but at the same time, you're still always growing and wanting to do new things. I, I think, um, I think there really is no specific right answer. It just depends on how you frame it for your audience. Mm -hmm. So you might do something like, let's say you release uh, a song a month Mm -hmm. and every song has a video. Every song uh, is on Spotify and Apple music. Every song has its own thing. So for all intents and purposes, every month is a single cycle Mm -hmm. of release for you. Um, You might do something like every Every three months is all the same thing thematically. Mm-hmm. And then you switch it up. Um, you could do something as simple as like seasons, like, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter. Mm-hmm. And so those are how your releases are like, so all your album colors are like yellow, orange, brown, and white. Mm-hmm. That's one way to do it. Or you might do like a single theme for the year. Mm-hmm. And that theme is like, you know, one through 10. And everything's called one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. And everything is uh it could even be like the same color with like slightly different graphics. Mm-hmm. Um you know, maybe like Ed Sheeran has done like all the like uh mathematical symbols. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Over over years and everything's a different color, but mm-hmm. it's all like the same theme. All the records are are their own thing. Mm-hmm. But it all ties into the same thing. I think that uh, as long as you have a plan, mm-hmm. it doesn't, you can change that approach and that sound as much as you want. Like, especially early on, actually, I shouldn't say that. Anytime, anytime is a good time to experiment as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you need to take calculated risks. Like, if you, if you had a lot of success with something and you want to continue to have that success and uh, further establish the trust in your brand, I would advise you to stick with what's working for the time being and maybe establish a little bit more trust so that you have mm-hmm. the leeway to make more risky decisions later. Yep. But uh, I would just always have a plan together. So you could, you could like straight up tell your audience, guys, we're going to try some stuff for six months. And this, we're going to create a playlist called experimenting. Mm-hmm. And the next six songs that appear on that playlist are all going to be completely different. And it's just going to be a test to figure out some stuff that we like. And that might end up being your biggest hit of releases yet. Because people may be like, oh my God, this, this band, this artist is so dynamic. They can do anything. Like, mm-hmm. it's so cool. Like, I love listening to all that. And then and at the end of that, you might have some actionable evidence for what people like. You, I mean, you should. Mm-hmm. And they'll say like, I liked... I like number three, if mm-hmm. like we're working with numbers. I like number three. Number yep. three was cool. Or I liked spring. Spring was my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think that's also important too, being transparent about that. Yeah. Because if you're a band that hypothetically you just put out 12 songs that all sound thematically the same mm-hmm. and you don't really talk about it and then all you say is, this is our new single and you are a country band and then you put out a heavy metal track. Yep. People aren't going to know what to do with that. Yeah. So I think if you open that conversation with your audience and, you know, respect them and take them on the journey with you, as opposed to 
throwing curveballs with no explanation. Yep. Where if I think that's a great way to approach it of being like, hey guys, we're trying something new. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean it's the only thing we're going to do from here on out, but we just want to try it because why not? And we want you to be on this journey and we want you to tell us what you think and participate in this with us. Yep. If you love it, let us know. If you hate it, let us know. But for X amount of time, we're going to try this. So let's yeah. go on this roller coaster. Yeah, there's no there's no reason to try to be overly clever about it. Well, I think that's something that's still breaking down because I think for a long time, uh, the mystery it was felt very like sexy. you had to pretend that if you weren't huge and you don't have this air of you know we're the biggest thing on the planet, then mm-hmm. your band's not good. And maybe that right. was an industry thing for a while, and the rest of the world. But it definitely felt like that was the thing, and mm-hmm. we're just we're now in a season. Where that's just dumb. Like, dude, Mike Shinoda just released the post traumatic EP. Have you listened to it? Not yet. Okay. First of all, check it out. We'll link to that. It's awesome. Uh, it's super raw, man. Like, if you have any emotions about uh, Chester passing away, <laughs> you might want to listen to it by yourself. <laughs> uh, I know I did. I'm, I'm a massive Linkin Park fan. Uh, they're one of my favorites, if not my favorite band of all time. So, Chester passing away was, was super tough on me. Um, but, it's it's incredible, and the, but the point is, if you watch the videos on YouTube, they're literally videos he made on his phone. He didn't edit edit them like I mean maybe like a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's not like he like edited them for polish. Mm-hmm. He shot video on his phone and he made this EP in his home studio at his house, and he shot the videos in his home studio mm-hmm. at his house, and they're like arguably not even that great, mm-hmm. but that's not the point, right? And they're not Lincoln Park. They're not Fort Minor. Mm-hmm. They are Mike Shinoda doing his own thing for three songs and three videos because he's an artist and that's what he needed to do at the time. Mm-hmm. Period. And it is, that is, if there is, that is the perfect example of this entire episode, mm-hmm. honestly, because they've got the Lincoln Park brand. He's got the Fort Minor brand. I don't know if he'll ever do anything with it again. I hope that he does because mm-hmm. that record was sick. Yeah, it was. Um, but this is, this is nothing to do with any of that. Yeah. This isn't, he's done art shows, like all these visual paintings and stuff. This is none of that. This is the, he has like his own name logo and an album cover and three videos and the songs out and like a website for it. And like, and that's it. And like, he may not do anything else with it after that, mm-hmm. but this is a snapshot in time for him. And he branded the whole thing just as its own little thing. Mm-hmm. And he's trying something. It's really for, I think for him at this point, this isn't uh, trying anything. This is, a, I have to get this out yep. because it's on my heart and I need to. And once it's out, who knows what steps he'll take after this. They, you know, might be right back to Lincoln Park and figuring that out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But that's a, if, if you want a good example of like taking a chance and trying something for a season, that right there is a perfect example of it, I think. I'm actually glad you bring that up. Slightly less sad, but same concept of I personally uh, have always been fascinated at the idea of we celebrate actors that -hmm. are capable of embracing so many different roles. Yeah. Anybody that's in that iconic top tier actor or actress is usually someone because they are able to embody many different characters and become that. Mm -hmm. And with music it's typically not that way you usually have fans of you doing one specific thing but that it 
not that there's zero examples, mm-hmm. but often if you go off the reservation because you're like, oh, well, guess what? I do like hip hop and I do like country too. So now I want to do this. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, fans don't really know how to process that because yeah. they want you to be the thing that they like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, I know so many musicians and artists that are talented and creatives like different things. We're constantly being inspired by different things. And I don't think you should suppress that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes it can be very wise to frame it differently. So as even if it's similar people calling it different bands for the sake of your fans Mm -hmm. so that they know how to compartmentalize in the same way that it's a different movie where, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was in the Titanic and then you were in all these other movies. And so I think... That's where they sort of have the freedom where it's like, oh, he's this character in this movie. He's this Mm -hmm. character in this movie. And so in the same way, if you want to go down that road, frame it with different bands or artist names or different packages so that you can be like, oh, you know, here's the Lincoln Bark. Here's Fort Minor. Mm -hmm. It allows them to, if they want to follow you because they believe in you, they can do that. But if they really just like your band because of what it sonically produces, they can do that too and don't have to be upset that you went off the reservation, they feel like. Yeah. But I do think that is also a great thing. And I hope we see more of over time. Yeah. Because I don't think you should settle. I don't think you should only put out one kind of record for the rest of your life just because it worked that one time. Totally agree. And I think that, uh, like it's not to the character thing with actors, you can, so an, an actor is a character in this film, a character in this film. It, it doesn't have to just apply to I am an artist with this project and with this project, your band, your artistry can play a character within your brand per release. Like mm-hmm. I am this artist, this character on this album or on this set of releases, this playlist this year, next year, back to Taylor Swift. Like look how many, uh, image changes she has made over her career not because she's i'm sure she's evolving as a person in her personal life but mm-hmm. it's what the release requires yeah. like who she was on fearless mm-hmm. versus her latest record two completely different things for sure but it's still the same brand at the core mm-hmm. releasing material yeah so i think that's important to note um one other thing i just want to cycle back to real quick we mm-hmm. We extend invitations on the show every once in a while. Uh, Mike Shinoda, if you ever want to come on, man, we got spot on this couch. We do. We would love to interview you. Yes. And talk about your I'd experience in music. So uh, listen to this. Mike, come on, man. You're always welcome. Just want to point that out. That's right. <laughs> really, to be fair, just about anybody. Is, That's true. As long as you don't suck to talk to. <laughs> if you're awkward, we don't have space for you. Nah, we'll just record it and then maybe not release it. <laughs> You can sit at my dinner Thanks table. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah. No, this is great. The episode was only five minutes. No, we're done. Yeah. You did a great job. Yeah. You packed so much knowledge into that. So five. much knowledge. <laughs> I can't handle anymore. Uh, well, is there anything else you'd like to let the people know today? Um, I think a little, little recap. Just remember that your, your, uh, your product defines your branding, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Don't make sure you start from that place. And remember that the point of it is to establish trust with your audience 
And the quickest way to do that is with easy recognition. Mm -hmm. So put it everywhere, put it on everything. It doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, the simpler, the better. For sure. And I think that's it. See you guys next Thursday. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the show today. As always, you can find show notes and links from our episode on our website at themusicstuffshow.com. Also, please, please, please uh, connect with us. If there's ever any questions, any ways that we can help, you can find us all over social media at Music Stuff Show. You can also find myself and Tom personally all over the interwebs. I am at V-A-N-C-E-F-I-T-E, and Tom is at T-O-M-D-U-P-R-E-E-I-I-I. Uh, all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere you want to connect. Uh, the show is here for you. So any way that we can make your life a little bit better and get you closer to your dreams of your career in the music industry, we want to be a part of. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Thank you.